Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Cabinet Warehouse in Texas. Sandy Hook Elementary School. A grocery store in Boulder, Colorado. Five shootings in Atlanta. Pulse, a gay nightclub downtown Orlando. Movie theater outside Denver, Colorado. Washington, Arizona, Atlanta, Michigan. America is battling another epidemic, and it's one without a vaccine. We went from COVID to the epidemic of gun violence. 2021 is now on track to be America's deadliest year for gun deaths in two decades. More people are dying of gun violence than of COVID. It's so bad. For many Americans, shootings have become a regular part of everyday life. A lovely armed guard called Officer Wilson, who used to greet my children every morning. He was like the lollipop man. He went berserk and killed a first grade teacher at the school. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, mass shootings. This is America. There was a red alert, a shooting, an active shooter. That's Manuel Oliver. He and his wife, Patricia, are remembering the day they lost their 17-year-old son, Joaquin. It was February the 14th, 2018. Like any other day, Joaquin was ready to go to school. He was very happy. It was Valentine's Day. We took some coffee on our way to school. We had two coffee mugs, one for him, one for me. He said bye to his mom before leaving. He was holding flowers for his girlfriend. And then it takes like probably 10 minutes from here to the school. I was able to have a small conversation with him. And then he, I just dropped him up in front of the school. I told him that I love him. He said, I love you too. Take care and have a great day. And then that was it. That was the last time that I saw my son alive. What went through your mind when you heard that there was a red alert and an active shooter? You think that it's not going to happen to you, which is a big mistake that I regret. But what are the chances, right? Well, there is a lot of chances. So that's when you realize when you don't hear from your son, something's wrong. And finally, like 10 hours later, we were notified that Joaquin was one of the victims. It's the worst situation ever. It's the worst punish that you could give to anyone. When did you understand what had actually happened at his school? You know, when did you find out who the active shooter was and what their motivation had been? There's no way to understand what happened that day. Good morning, guys. That is the school right behind me, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Parkland consistently voted one of the safest communities in America until today. Here's what we know at this hour. At least 17 people have been killed, students and adults. The shooter is in custody. And there was no interest on our side to know who the shooter was. This is the 18th school shooting already this year. It is just mid-February. The shooter is part of a problem, a big part of a problem. A kid, a 19-year-old kid, capable of going into a store, purchase an AR-15, which is a war weapon, and then bring it into a school and start shooting randomly on kids and, and teachers. No one can understand that. And I'm not pretending to understand that. However, there is more than one 
person to blame. There is an easy access to guns in this nation. We all know it. 14 kids were killed and three teachers. It affects the whole nation. Today I speak to a nation in grief. Our entire nation, with one heavy heart, is praying for the victims and their families. But it vanishes. Time will somehow find a way to make the American society go back to what we call the normal American life. Last year, lockdown reduced the number of mass shootings to the lowest level in a decade. But now, they've shot back up. There have been 14 in just the last seven days. And in New York, gun violence has been declared a public health emergency. In the last 48 hours, 50 shootings, 52 victims, seven dead. We begin with a shocking crime outside of a hotel in Manhattan. Chaos in Times Square as a shooter fires after a fight, sending people scrambling for cover as police shut down the crossroads of the world. Today, first state in the nation is going to declare a disaster emergency on gun violence. To understand more about the recent spate of mass shootings, I spoke to Sarah Baxter, who writes the American Diary for the Sunday Times. One of the worst shootings that occurred recently was at a massage parlour in a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia, where a number of Asian women were killed who worked there. Eight victims tragically killed in the Atlanta mass shooting. Six were women of Asian descent. The tragedy is intensifying an already painful rise of violence against Asian Americans. Just another example in my mind of the number of young violent men in America. I mean, these incidents almost invariably involve really rather young men who have a lot of issues. Some people call them incels, you know, the involuntary celibate types. This guy obviously called himself a sex addict, but he was paying for it. He came from a very religious family, an evangelical family who taught him to have some pretty weird hang-ups, I think, about sex. And he took it out on uh, women who worked in a massage parlor. Now, then there was the incident very recently in Indianapolis where a 19-year-old got hold of some very heavy weapons and attacked workers. At a FedEx facility, leaving eight people dead. When you look at these young men, the problem seems to me that they have far too easy access to incredibly deadly weapons as part of a macho culture that they personally are finding it hard to live up to. And it does feel like things are worse than ever. Is that just a spike because of COVID? There's been a lot of pent-up aggression to get out. Or do you think, is this problem becoming steadily worse? It's not a new phenomenon. I mean, I reported years ago on what was the worst mass shooting incident of the time at Virginia Tech a University in Blacksburg, Virginia, where a very disaffected young man killed 33 people in a terrible morning of shootings. And, you know, the scenes were indescribable, you know, these were just young students hiding in corridors, lying dead behind their desks, really ghastly. And it just happened in such a short instance. And it's the first time I'd ever covered anything of the kind. And to see that happen and yet 
carry on since then. I mean, since then, we've had the Sandy Hook killings. That was the massacre of young primary school children. And, you know, one of the worst aspects of that is that some of the people who are most gung-ho for the right to bear arms in this country claim that shooting never happened. I mean, literally, some of the biggest conspiracy theorists in the country, like Alex Jones of Infowars, simply claimed it was a false flag operation that never happened. We must guard against you might not have come across Alex Jones, but he's a far-right conspiracy theorist with a surprisingly large following. His online platform, Infowars, fuels suspicion and spreads fake news, and it's alarmingly influential, getting around 10 million hits a month. I've watched the footage, and it looks like a drill. I don't know exactly what happened. They've got... In one shot, leaves blowing and flowers that are out, and you see the leaves blowing, and they go, they glitch. They're recycling a, a green screen behind them. They've simply, to use the modern phrase, they've gaslighted the parents' entire experience. And actually, Alex Jones was sued by one of the grieving parents and ended up having to pay damages. A form of psychosis. That's what InfoWars founder Alex Jones is saying caused him to believe events like the Sandy Hook massacre were staged. And I, you know, I myself have you know, almost had like a form of psychosis back in the past where I basically thought everything was staged. My opinions have been wrong, but they were never wrong consciously to hurt people. I mean, it's extraordinary, the culture here that allows these lies. There's no other word for it. How have we got to a situation where, you know, you mentioned Virginia Tech and Sandy Hook. These are names that evoke horror and appalling images to people all over the world who sort of just watch the news coverage. But for a country like America, how do you normalise that? There's a big debate about whether the answer is not to take away arms from the population as a whole because of the famous Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is at the heart of America's obsession with guns. It's the part of the Constitution which promises citizens the right to be armed. As well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The debate has now moved to whether or not more people should be armed while guarding schools. Well, strangely enough, there was an armed guard at my children's primary school because it was in the grounds of the National Cathedral, which is a national monument. It might have been, you know, subject to a terrorist attack. It's where the funerals of presidents are held. And so there was a lovely armed guard called Officer Wilson, who used to greet my children every morning and our little puppy on a lead. He was such a nice guy. Everybody knew and loved him. And he started dating a first grade teacher at the school. And when she rejected him, he went berserk and killed her. And he then died in a hail of bullets from police. So no, I'm not very much in favour of armed police at schools, because this is what happened at my own children's school. The entire school was shocked. It was very difficult to talk to my own children about it. And we had previously assured them because they'd been a little bit scared. They'd come from Britain. They'd seen this officer with a gun. They'd been a little bit scared. And we'd said, oh, no, Officer Wilson would never pull his weapon unless in the most extreme circumstances he's there to help you and to protect you and this is what happened and I'm afraid it's the easy availability of guns the constant temptation that people have who keep them that leads to such tragedy I've got another appalling story to tell I think 
everybody in America does and yet does nothing. I myself was at school in America when I was at the age of sort of six to nine. And I later discovered that a lovely classmate that I really liked, he was he was a sort of cheeky, funny guy. He once sent me a Valentine card, so I never forgot him. He was, he was eight years old at the time. I discovered that at the age of 11, he'd been shot by his brother. It was a terrible accident at home with weapons. And I asked a mutual friend that we had, well, what happened to that brother? He must have felt so awful and, you know, what a burden to bear. And she said, you know, he's become a big gun rights person and he goes shooting and, you know, know, goes hunting every weekend. It's his way of dealing with it. It's total denial here. It's so bizarre. I mean, you know America so well and you've seen it in these extraordinary circumstances. Can you sort of explain to us why it has this relationship with guns? Well, the noble account of why guns are so important to Americans goes back to the American War of Independence and the idea that, you know, every freeborn American could join a militia and fight the Redcoats. It also is part of the heroic myth of manifest destiny, the forging of the West and the pioneer spirit. That's the heroic myth. There's also an underlying less heroic one, which is to do with slavery and the extent of coercion needed to maintain control over a large population that was enslaved. So both for noble reasons and for distinctly unheroic reasons, Americans definitely believe in their right to bear arms, and you'd be amazed how many people do. I was living in a quiet suburb at one stage in my life where I asked the local police just out of interest, how many people do you think around here keep guns? And this was a democratic voting suburb, quite prosperous on the outskirts of New York. He said, oh, at least 80%. I was shocked. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are in downtown Manhattan today, and we are at what is the oldest gun shop in all of America. What are the main guns that you sell here? Uh, Mostly Glock. We sell pistol mostly. Okay. In a regular shotgun, regular rifle. That's really interesting, because it doesn't necessarily divide along party lines. This is just something that is culturally American. This is culturally American. Well, an amazing sight outside a Utah County gun store today as hundreds lined up to buy ammo. Obviously, the Democrats are much more interested than Republicans are in gun control. Those who sell firearms here at Gunnies tell me that it is not usually busy like this in January. Changes of uh, the administration that's coming up. People are a little bit concerned. But the measures that they propose are really extraordinarily mild. And then on this 223 or 556 that we got in the Winchester that everybody's here for today, we're, we're allowing 200 rounds per, per customer. In fact, sometimes the British side of me thinks, what, these things aren't illegal to start with? So, for example, President Joe Biden recently signed an executive order banning ghost guns. This is what some people call a ghost gun. It's an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle that has no serial number. It's untraceable. I didn't have to go through a background check or any sort of waiting period to get it. The government has no knowledge of its existence, in fact. Well, these are sort of self-assembly kits that you can put together that are as deadly as any other weapon you can go to the gun store and buy. Well, up till now, there have been no rules, you know, no background checks, nothing. So when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. 
We should also ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country. I can understand how the Second Amendment came about. And clearly, it's become part of American culture to protect it, to protect the Constitution as it stands. And yet, successive presidents have talked about introducing gun control. Why has that always failed? It is definitely seen as an assault on American freedom. And that is a powerful rallying cry. Frankly, every time there's a shooting, people go out and buy more weapons and ammo in case the government wants to take them away. It's a visceral reaction to, no one's going to come take my guns. One of the most popular conspiracy theories in the run-up to the election was that Joe Biden was borderline senile and that Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris were going to get together and declare him unfit for office And then Kamala Harris would be president. She comes from liberal California and she's going to come take away your guns. And yet even Kamala Harris, when she was attorney general of California, she didn't take away anyone's guns either. I am a gun owner um, and um, I own a gun for probably the reason that a lot of people do for personal safety. Um, I was a career prosecutor. She does believe in gun control. And in terms of gun policy, though, I think that that for too long and still today, we are being offered a false choice, which suggests you're either in favor of the Second Amendment or you want to take everyone's guns away. And so does Biden. President Biden is pushing for Congress to pass stricter gun laws following the two recent mass shootings in Colorado and Georgia. The United States Senate, I hope some are listening, should immediately pass the two House passed bills that close loopholes in the background check system. But what they're proposing is really so mild. So one of the groups I've been following is the Proud Boys because they're an alt-right, far-right group that has been noisily in support of Donald Trump and played a key role in the January 6th storming of the Capitol. Well, I met a bunch of Proud Boys at a Trump rally in Cleveland, Ohio, and they showed off their weapons to me. These were AR-15-style assault weapons. Yeah, we're, we're of the belief that everyone should have a gun. I saw you at the rally. You you Uh had a big, um, you know, Mm AR-15. An AR-15 is associated in many people's minds with the sort of mass shooter gun. Uh Tell me about your weapon and why you have such a, you know, heavy-duty piece of kit. It's good for home defense. It's good for target shooting. They had several rifles in the back of their battle bus, which was a big white bus that looked like a... um, school bus probably was repainted and they had the weapons right by the windows you know ready to fire out of the window if necessary and groups like that are prepping for a civil war now I don't want to be alarmist about it because I don't think there is going to be a civil war but they are armed to the teeth they see their job as to fight groups like Antifa the anti-fascists and We've seen at the storming of the Capitol just how violent things can get. Now, if, God forbid, there ever came to a civil war in this country, you would be amazed how many ordinary citizens have weapons in their armory. If there's an epidemic of gun violence in America, then what's the cure? What should the authorities and the government do to combat the problem. We'll have more in just a moment, but first... I'm Henry Zeffman, Chief Political Correspondent of The Times. It's you, listeners and subscribers, who enable me to report on 
what's going on in the corridors of power in Whitehall and Westminster. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. If you subscribe today, you can enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In America, on average, there have been almost two mass shootings a day since the start of 2021. Just this weekend, thousands of baseball fans had to run for cover as the sound of gunfire rang out across the Washington National Stadium. Three people were shot. This weekend in our nation's capital, we were reminded that the only thing more American than baseball and apple pie is apparently deadly, unavoidable gun violence. I just saw people looking that way, and I didn't know what was going on until I heard someone say, get down, so I just started going under the seat. How are you feeling? Uh, it was my second shooting, so I was kind of prepared, because I always am expecting something to happen. Why has gun violence increased so much in recent months? I asked Manuel and Patricia Oliver what they thought had changed. One of the things that we did, which is a very American thing to do, is that officially the administration during COVID, the Trump administration, decided to call weapons an essential. So you could actually go out, leave your home, to buy masks, soap, or anything that was required for the pandemic, and that will include guns. So a lot of people decided to go ahead and buy purchase guns. That means that today we have more guns on hands of people that had no reason to own one before, and they probably have no experience holding a gun. They also, everyone went through a financial, very hard situation. Uh, The fact that everyone was inside their homes, also became an issue. And the result of all that is what you see today. 
In addition to that, we had a change on the administration. Now we have a more progressive president. And the whole agenda behind Joe Biden was, from the very beginning, trying and promoting the idea that some gun violence prevention measures will be taken. And for that reason, automatically, believe it or not, people will go ahead and purchase more guns. Other nations look at us and they will go like, wow, it's incredible Mm. how America pretends to be so powerful. And at the end of the day, they cannot solve this problem. How frustrating is it for you when you look around modern America and see that even now, three years on, mass shootings are still are still a problem? I think that more than feeling frustrated, you have to feel offended. Being offended is what motivates you to generate an action. And what sort of a response have you had from politicians, for example? Well, passing the last four years... We've been seeing a little bit more move regarding gun violence. Manuel and Patricia have set up a charity called Change the Ref to educate and engage with young people to deter them from carrying guns. You don't know what to do when things like this happen. Mm. And you need to find escape. But also you still have a role to play as parents. Patricia is still every single day Joaquin's mother. And that brings the fact that we need to do something to keep on rolling on being parents. We work nonstop every day. We call politicians to make our point to not go through these mass shootings ever again. On the 14th of February this year, the third anniversary of the Parkland shooting that killed Joaquin Oliver, President Biden issued a statement calling for more gun control measures. The president releasing a statement that reads in part, quote, this administration will not wait for the next mass shooting to heed that call. Today, I'm calling on Congress to enact common sense gun law reforms, including requiring background checks on all gun sales, banning assault weapons and high capacity magazines, and eliminating immunity for gun manufacturers who knowingly put weapons of war on our streets. The only industry in America, a billion dollar industry, that can't be sued, has exempt from being sued, are gun manufacturers. If I get one thing on my list, the Lord came down and said, Joe, you get one of these, give me that one. Because I tell you what, there would be a come to the Lord moment these folks would have real quickly. He spoke to us prior to this announcement. He knows what is the suffer of being losing a close one in the family. He has the same feeling. So I think that coming from this kind of person, he will be more paying attention to, to make this moving forward. How easy do you think it'll be for him to push that through? I don't think it will be easy because we have two sides in the stories. And the other side of the story that's opposed to this new rule, we have to work a lot with that because they disagree completely. So they don't give a chance. They don't understand about the Second Amendment. I mean, that is one of the problems. So many Americans see the Second Amendment, the, the right to bear arms, as being crucial to the country. It's about money and power. It's not even about the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment, it can stay there, but we could include regulations. Now, the, the real problem is 
what you just mentioned, the, the lobby and the power that the gun industry has over society. They've been for decades selling the idea that in order to enjoy freedom, you should carry a gun, you should purchase a gun. And as a result, we have more guns than people. More than 400 million weapons are in America. Society is not ready for those regulations. All right, we can deal with that. But it will be ready at some point. It makes sense and it's the right thing to do. They filled many with hope. But how much of a difference will the Biden proposals actually make? Here's Sarah Baxter from the Sunday Times again. He's promising very mild reforms, and yet they're still fraught with danger for him politically. The problem is, is that the public seem inured to these mass shootings. The only hope, I think, is of the next generation of American kids who are being brought up with this fear that they themselves might have to put their lives on the line, that they might do something about gun control. But if that happens, that's a long way off. And to be honest, I'm not even sure that's the lesson that children are taking away from all these protective measures, because they're also being taught to fear guns, but also to arm themselves. If that day, February the 14th, 2018, had somehow worked out differently, how old would your son be now? 20. This year we'll be turning 21 on August 4th. Is that something you think about a lot? I think that all the time. Joaquin is a beautiful soul. He is always with us, present with us, and everything that we do every single day, like what we're doing right now with you, he's always present. And that's what we're doing this. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Manuel and Patricia Oliver from Change the Ref, and Sarah Baxter, who writes the American Diary for the Sunday Times. You can find out more about Patricia and Manuel's campaign at changetheref.org. And you can read more of Sarah's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producer today was Sevda Moyasari. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, if you have any ideas for a future episode or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do get in touch. Send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. <laughs>